Look, buying a car can be a stressful experience, but True Car is changing car buying forever. Yes, True Car helps car buyers get rid of that fear that they might overpay for a vehicle. Last month alone, over 45,000 cars were sold by the True Car certified dealer network, and TrueCar.com users save an average of $3,046 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what other people paid for the car you're looking to buy. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. Third and finally, it's very simple. Print out your True Car Savings Certificate and take it to the True Car Certified Dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Every day, TrueCar.com users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time, save money, never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. Some features not available in all states. Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal Boys and Girls. My name is Ty Hildenbrandt. I'm joined, as always, by my beloved friend and co-host over there in the Big Apple. His name is Mr. Dan Rubenstein. Sir, how are you? I'm good. I would also like the title Advocate for Relationship Communication oh? added to my title. We're going to get into this in a little bit here. <laughs> You're getting a little too high on your horse over this one. I just I, I advocate communication, understanding and romance. And look, just because you're against those things, it doesn't make it wrong. It just makes you different. That's all. Mm-hmm. We embrace our differences mm-hmm. as people's tie. Yes, we do. It's okay. <laughs> we will talk about this. I promise. How are you doing, friend? The fine people. I am doing well. It was a busy day yesterday, an early day yeah. yesterday. As you know, college football got started at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, which means Eastern time. Oh, my God. The West Coast this, Penn State fans. Is this what it's like living on the West Coast? I'm glad you asked that question, Ty. The answer is it is far superior to be a college sports, college football and sports fan in general on the West Coast. Yeah. I, I was talking to uh, his name is Scott. It's Action Cookbook on the Twitter. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to just sort of roll out of bed. You roll out of bed pretty early if you want to catch any game day on Saturday mornings, let's say 7 or 8 a.m. I get that that's early. You're groggy. You just sort of roll out of bed, get on the couch, get some coffee, maybe a pastry bowl of cereal. You watch the end of game day. You sort of half watch. Northwestern, Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, one of those games that isn't really all that consequential. And it's just college football in your life. The sun is out if you're on the West Coast, probably. So that's nice. I was in L.A., so the sun was almost always out. And the games are over by like 10, 1030. If you want to go out and meet people for drinks, if the games are over at like eight, because the, the headline game is at five, you go meet people, drinks, grab dinner at 830. It's amazing, Ty. It is superior. Or if you're a UCLA fan, more than enough time to get over whatever it was that happened yesterday in Charlottesville for the Bruins. All right. Well, let's get started. Yes. This week, the way we do each and every week during the season, we call it the reverbs. The phone number is 408 verbal one. People call in. We've got a lot of new listeners who may not be up to speed here. This, folks, is your week one reverbs. Have a listen. Dr. Bo, Dr. Bo, Dr. 
Joe doesn't see to who we throw. This is Brandon from Frederick, Maryland. This is Pat in Dallas. This is Lizzie from Oakland, California. Hey, this is Will in the coast of Maine. Steven from Georgia. Forrest from Montana, Washington. New rule. Season opener, play somebody in your conference. Not in a conference, you play a ranked team. Nothing says a star college football like watching Penn State take on UCF in a hurling stadium in Dublin, Ireland. Has anybody else noticed that James Franklin looks a lot like Lex Luthor? Bo Pelini smiling? No turnovers? 700 yards of offense? Do I see the Huskers losing less than four games this year? Can't wait. Michigan beat Appalachian State. It proved absolutely nothing. Thanks, Dave Brandon, for scheduling such a stupid game. It was ugly at times, but Westlawn's arm woke up in the second half and the drive for six was alive. Go on us. Betcher, 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 Now Gore for Heisman. Wisconsin's kicker, the only player on their team not from Wisconsin. Excuse me, I'm now going to go play REM's Everybody Hurts on a continuous. All the old Notre Dame alums are up in arms with a field turf at Notre Dame Stadium, yet no one seems to care they're playing Avicii on third down. A little bit of a slow start, but good to see Everett Olsen was able to shake, 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 shake it all. It appears that the Gamecocks are taking a page out of their in-state rivals playbook and pulling a Clemson and I think Kevin Sullivan might be a pretty good coach. About two minutes left and A&M's up by 10 and driving. I just can't tell if A&M is good or South Carolina is this bad or both. They should only have this Clemson-Georgia game later in the year just so that we could speculate about whether Georgia might Clemson themselves. The girly man. When I woke up this morning, I was a man. When I go to bed tonight, I am a girly girl. Congratulations to West Virginia for playing a hell of a game against a top Alabama team and keeping it closer than probably most people ever would have dreamed of. I just want to say great effort by UVA against UCLA, but I also want to thank Steve Fairchild and that play calling for potentially costing the game. Connor Halliday in a losing effort should be tattooed on someone's arm or written on his gravestone or something. Can we please nominate Connor Halliday for the next polls in a losing effort award, please? Dan, can you even move through Times Square after a Rutgers win? After beating Washington State at a game that ended at probably 2.30 a.m. that the whole city was staying up for. Can't imagine that that town's just not painted scarlet red. Ah, there you have it. Your week one reverbs, Dan. What was the mood like in New York City after that big Rutgers win? Um, I was over at uh, as our, at our friend Ryan Nanny's house yesterday to watch the games, and he claims the new TV he got he got while looting Midtown Manhattan during the madness following Rutgers' cross country victory over the Washington State Cougars. So that that gives you any indication. I hope that things were were pretty wild, Ty. Pretty wild for the uh, the the official college team of New York City. That's right. It was a good start for Rutgers, a better start for Florida. They didn't have to deal with any of the agony because the game was postponed after one play. And I I saw some tweets about this. This would have been a great idea last year, wouldn't it? Oh, my God. Yes. Florida fans would have taken that in a heartbeat. (laughs) Just boom. Get this over with. Let's move on to next week. 
Oh, it would have made things so much easier and less emotionally draining. What else did we have yesterday? Game day going with the authentic college experience outside of P.F. Chang's. Oh, no, you, you like see that, that, didn't you? <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's always disappointing. Our friend Scott Van Pelt from ESPN was sort of trying to say that people complain too much, but it wasn't his choice either. Um, I would say, yeah, the, the big stories yesterday were figuring out which top 10, 15 teams. And we should I'm going to put an umbrella over this entire show, the same umbrella we put over the preview show. Yeah. Week one means nobody fully knows anything so anything anybody says in confidence or with confidence is just bullshit because yep. we haven't seen game speed from these teams given their rosters given their depth charts given new coaches and everything like that so game one is not an absolute it is not an indicator of any and all things but but it was interesting to see who could and could not go four quarters of playing well, of not playing well, how new quarterbacks came in, how new systems adapted to personnel. Uh, it was a very entertaining week one in that we had a lot of big matchups, albeit some of them on neutral sites. Um, was very curious, intrigued, interested, wanted to know what would happen with teams at the top playing those neutral site games. Florida State, LSU. Um, were the big ones obviously at the top but i i think the big the big takeaway was that the teams we thought were going to be good started out a little bit slowly for the most part if they were playing a legitimate opponent or didn't show enough to make you think that like oh yeah this team is definitely going 12 and 0 and getting to the playoff there's nobody you feel utterly confident in at this point as being completely dominant other than the Fordham Rams. Let's start then at the very, <laughs> right. very top, if we could. Let's talk about the Florida State-Oklahoma State game. Yeah. Florida State going into this clearly had the better players. It was surprising to me, though, that they couldn't curb stomp Oklahoma State. They couldn't finish them off. And now they had some of their own shaky situations Florida State did. They're going to be just fine. They've got a ton of talent. To me, said more about Oklahoma State than it did about Florida State, that they were able to hang within six of Florida State, within one score of Florida right. State for the duration pretty much of the entire second half. Yeah, it was the the interesting thing was with a team as talented and deep as Florida State and with Oklahoma State's losses, you figured that Oklahoma State would sort of lose control as the game yep. went on because of Florida State's depth, the, the, the number of ways Florida State can beat Anybody in the country, it, you know, they have the or one of the best quarterbacks, depending on how you feel about his re returning receivers and abilities. Um, and the defense has recruited so well. Uh, but as it turned out, the defensive line play was pretty sloppy without Timmy Jernigan for Florida State, which caused so much havoc for everyone last year, not just Jernigan, but what the attention Jernigan received meant for other people along that front. Uh, and Oklahoma State really really well coached on both sides of the ball given how much they had to replace they were getting to Jameis Winston they were disrupting the running game with minimal pressure with four guys up front and that's the loss of Calvin Barnett four guys so uh, I was really impressed with Glenn Spencer really impressed with how well Oklahoma State was not only able to stay in that game and it wasn't just because of taking advantage of Florida State mistakes they were playing really really well well, it's going to be a good team, too, is yeah. one, one takeaway because Tyreek Hill is going to be really fun to watch all year. I mean, remember having similar conversations towards the beginning part of last season regarding Oklahoma State. We didn't know what we had 
from Oklahoma State. Now, this year, it seems to be a very similar situation where we still didn't really know what to expect from the Cowboys headed into 2014. If this is any indication, they're going to be pretty good because they just hung with Florida State. And look, Florida State's going to improve. I don't take much away from this win by Florida State. They're still loaded. Still my obvious selection to make it to the playoff. Jameis Winston's going to have himself a monster of a season. No doubt about it. But um, Oklahoma State showed me something here. And I think the rest of the Big 12 is on notice after watching this one. Um, Another game. Yeah. That was of particular interest. This was a middle of the day kind of game. Mm -hmm. Alabama 33, West Virginia 23. Dan, can we please find Mr. Kiffin some sort of tailor? Oh, my God. Yeah. He was wearing a parachute yesterday, Dan. We had messages. As it it was called. We had messages yesterday on the reverb line that I can't play back because they use the they use the F word. Excuse me. Mm. But people talking about his parachute pants, about his pleated khakis. I mean, God, you've got all the money in the world. Get a stylist. Get get clothes that fit. Damn it. Just. Buy, just have the school give you the right size shirts. I don't know. It, it looks very strange. I don't know why this is still a thing, but it's still a thing. More importantly, though, well, equally important. <laughs> equally, let, let me pause you right there. Let me ask you a question to sort of frame yes, this game. Please. Alabama wins by 10. Yeah. Does the outcome say more about Alabama or more about West Virginia? Also an Alabama team that, I mean, they've scheduled difficult opponents first opening night of the season opening day of the season in recent years virginia tech last year they didn't look incredibly impressive alabama just in terms of what they were able to do as an offensive output i remember christian jones did a lot in the return game they were able to score and in creative ways uh this year blake sims certainly does not look the part yet i am definitely willing to believe that he can develop into a, a very good quarterback at Alabama, given some of the offensive linemen in front of him, given that he has Amari Cooper, given that he has two amazing running backs. Um, but no, the offense stagnated. They weren't able to do a ton. And really, West Virginia came out, and in both phases of the game, defensively, other than some really dumb tackling issues, I, I guess both phases of offense, that Russell Shell was able to run early, and then they abandoned that as the game went on. Uh, and Clint Trickett was throwing very well. They have a legitimate one number one receiver in Kevin White. And if we are going to look at Alabama and really nitpick, because Alabama is talented everywhere, the secondary is still a bit of a question. Yep. And, and West Virginia was able to exploit. Dana Holgerson spent the summer watching tape of Alabama's defense and secondary and put together, I would say, given West Virginia's limitations talent-wise and where they've been these past couple of seasons, uh, at least since Geno Smith, uh, I thought it was, a, it was a marvelous performance from everybody on West Virginia. And Alabama is going to make a leap into a better team in the next two, three, four weeks. And I think West Virginia at this point, you talk about putting the Big 12 on notice with Oklahoma State. West Virginia is at the point where they looked very good against Alabama. They'll probably be beat somebody decent to good and they'll probably lose like a random game to TCU by 38. It's going to be one of those years, but I think they, they appear to have all the makings of a bowl team. Once again, Alabama didn't bother me on offense. I I felt a lot about Alabama the way I did a bunch of other teams that we saw yesterday. It seemed like it took them a while to feel their way through it. And Blake Sims is going to be okay. He gives them a dynamic with his legs, which we saw a couple times in that game, right? which you didn't necessarily get from AJ McCarron or really any other quarterback in recent memory at Alabama. Right. That will help them. Obviously TJ Yeldon and Derrick Henry are just unstoppable when they get the football. You could give them the ball every single down and you'd still 
come away on top in most of your games. Uh, but you're right about the secondary. And that's going to be interesting because there are some teams in the SEC that can throw the football. Mm-hmm. Might not be talking about LSU, but we're certainly talking about Texas A&M. Yeah. You know, we're certainly talking about uh, Ole Miss. They can throw the football. They got some big wide Yeah, outs. they'll throw it to you as, as a defense. They'll throw it over you as a defense. They'll, Bo, Dr. Bo has no real regard for who catches his balls as long as somebody does. They'll throw it. Just yes. don't know where it's going to come down. So there, my point is that there's going to be challenges for Alabama yes. with that secondary unless they're able to shore up that, that defense here in the coming weeks. The other thing I'd point out in this one, then let's move on, but um, I watched this game with several women all of whom commented Look on at you, Ty. All wow. of whom commented on Clint Trickett's fantastic head of hair and movie star looks. Does he? Does, okay. Does not look like a Clint Trickett. Fair enough. Um, yeah, somebody had mentioned, I think it was on Twitter, I forget who it was, that the SEC West is going to be even more entertaining than usual because it's basically just a cocktail of insanely deep talent and like definitive flaws. No, oh, big time. Every team has that. So that's going to be fun. And I think Saturday was a, a tiny little microcosm, or and Saturday and Thursday were, were microcosms of that statement. Georgia 45, Clemson 21. Yeah. This looked like the back and forth battle that we had expected. Yeah, and then halftime ended. <laughs> Second half, Clemson just wears down. Wore down, couldn't get anything going on offense. Todd mm-hmm. Gurley, what can you say about Todd Gurley? Too much, almost 200 yards rushing, three touchdowns, had more of an impact than ever before in the kickoff game as well. A 100-yard kickoff return for him. Also, a Nick Chubb spotting. Yep. Nick Chubb, we're going to have fun with Sonny that Michelle. name. Over the next, yeah, right, Michelle. So this was, this was, a great offensive effort in the second half by the Georgia Bulldogs. And they certainly looked formidable as they move forward now in the SEC East, given what we saw out of South Carolina, you'd have to think that Georgia is now the prohibitive favorite to win that side of the conference. Dan, did this one blow you away at all in the second half? Here were the two things I took away from this game that I think we can push forward for the season at least well three things i guess one clemson's defense not fully ready yet nope if they are going to be two todd Gurley won saturday yep todd Gurley going for almost 200 yards on the ground had a ridiculous 100 yard uh, kick return and it was only on 15 carries he was not overworked interestingly enough keith marshall only six for eight uh eight yards the other big thing was here is this the I guess if I had to impersonate the back and forth between Cole Stout and Chad Morris, it would be Cole Stout saying, "Hey, let I I can throw it. Let me throw it. I I definitely feel like you should call some more pass plays." And Chad Morris saying, "You know what? Don't call us. We'll call you <laughs> and hold tight uh, because I don't trust you at all." That was basically what it came down to. Deshaun Watson, actually, the true freshman, got in for a series and threw. He looked good. Well, he threw a very nice touchdown ball, but they obviously were just sort of limiting his activity. But Clemson, a long ways to go offensively. The loss of Zach Brooks hurts. Obviously, the loss of the guys they lost to the NFL is enormous, but really figured there would be better adjustments in the second half. And Clemson's second and second half offensive drives were basically three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. So it's kind of an impossible situation that they put the defense in. So we can't fully say anything about the defense yet, but that offense needs to do a better job of just giving the defense something. Yeah. And one of the things that we talked a lot about with Clemson was the front seven. The front seven didn't look great at all. 
in that second half. No, they and wore down though. I mean, that, they the, wore the down. amount of time they, they spent on the field was ridiculous. Sure, sure. There was only so much they could do because, yeah. as you said, they were on the field every fourth down. So, yep. uh, also, this was not a Clemsoning. No, it definitely wasn't. This wasn't even close to a Clemsoning. For those of you out there who were tweeting us about yeah, it, who Clemson, were calling just bad about things it, happening to Clemson is not a Clemsoning. No, there's got to be hype surrounding it. There's got to be a buildup. It's got to yeah. be to a lesser opponent than the Georgia Bulldogs, the yeah. presumed now presumed favorite in the SEC East. This does not constitute a Clemsoning. Losing, losing to somebody random, losing a trap game. That is the Clemsoning that we have known to grow and love and whatever. Let's move on to the late game. Yeah. Oh, man, this is a late one. Uh, nine o'clock Eastern start for us old men. That was a oh, late we're game. So old. Wisconsin goes up twenty-four to seven, due in yeah. large part to our good friend. To my Twitter jokes, we no, know him continue. well. <laughs> Melvin Gordon had himself a game here, Dan. Yeah, he did. And then he was not giving the ball anymore. Yep, twenty-four to seven. You get to 24 to 7, in large part due to Melvin Gordon. And then you decide, oh, let's stop giving the ball to Melvin Gordon. Let's let Tanner McAvoy oh, air it out. And as right. you might expect, he threw two picks. The great tweet that you retweeted from our good friend again, Scott Van Pelt, was it's cool if your quarterback is a running threat. It's even better if he's a passing threat. That's the predicament that Wisconsin found itself in. Yeah. McAvoy finished 8 of 24, 50 yards. Two interceptions, no touchdowns. Also, his receivers couldn't get any separation. Nope. Which isn't entirely his fault, but not a great offensive showing for the Wisconsin Badgers outside of Melvin Gordon. The other thing I would add is that this was really the classic LSU victory. It's the kind mm -hmm. of LSU victory we've seen time and time again over the last three to four seasons. Nothing spectacular. You don't really see any reason why. LSU should win the game, right. but it reminds you a lot of that Bobby or searching for Bobby Fisher scene. Have you seen that movie? Not in a long time. I'm waiting for this reference, though. You've lost. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. I, I feel that way oftentimes when I'm watching LSU because absolutely it doesn't make sense why it happens, but still you can feel it coming. And ultimately, that is what happened. LSU ends up winning this one. Twenty eight. To 24, Dan, I, I wasn't really wowed by either team. I wasn't wowed by Leonard Fournette and his 18 yards. So no. maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit there. But what was your takeaway after watching this? My takeaway was I'm always impressed when a team is able to turn it on after being so off for so long. And uh, it was with the help of Wisconsin. And it, by the way, excuse you, converted safety Tanner McAvoy. Oh, thank you. He was brought to Wisconsin as a quarterback. This I know. Um was not particularly impressed with LSU or Wisconsin, was impressed with Melvin Gordon, impressed with Kenny Hilliard, impressed with the uh, the LSU offensive line, especially their ability to keep focused down 17 late in the game or in the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden they are just blowing up holes for uh, for the run game for Hilliard, for McGee, for Fournette. Um, really disappointed in Wisconsin's inability to just keep feeding Melvin Gordon. Gary Anderson, head coach of Wisconsin, said that he just didn't know why Melvin Gordon didn't get more than two carries in the second half. Melvin yeah. Gordon said he was fully healthy. I mean, we don't know these things. Maybe there's some sort of gamesmanship to this. Maybe there was discipline we don't know about. Maybe there was injury. Maybe there was whatever. But Corey Clement, a very good running back in his own right, three yards a carry. Melvin Gordon, 
three times that with nearly nine yards per carry. So a mystery, but LSU being able to turn it on, communicating, forcing Tanner McAvoy to beat them. I, I wrote this. It was two and a half minutes left. Wisconsin down four, had to go 80 yards, a totally plausible scenario for them to go down the field and win the game. I couldn't see a single way that that could happen. Yeah. With Tanner McAvoy, the the choice that they were making in terms of play calling and, and who was in the game, it was it was a really embarrassing showing, especially for Wisconsin. Well, I guess on both sides of the ball for Wisconsin, but especially late on defense, just completely worn down by LSU. I saw a stat that Les Miles has won more games than not when losing in the fourth quarter. Like he likes the taste of his own blood on his lips. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah. And no, well, I don't think there's any other coach. There was there was the next closest was like Texas or Mac Brown or something was like 18 and 29 when losing in the fourth quarter. And that was good. Well, they just have a knack for this sort of thing. You don't yeah. want to count LSU out when they're losing. No. Anthony Jennings, not a particularly great game. No, Decent, I, like I said, ne- neither quarterback, drops. Yeah. neither quarterback, neither offense really, really left me with any great impression. Obviously, Melvin Gordon looked Heisman worthy. But he's going to need some help, and the receivers need to get open. Nobody yeah. was open for McAvoy. It's not all on Tanner McAvoy, although he didn't really no. look that great. No. Uh, but that's going to need to change, and maybe it'll get a little bit easier as you get into the Big Ten schedule. Still, if you want to go toe-to-toe with a team like LSU, that granted, even though they're raw, still has a ton of talent out there. If you want to do that, you got to get separation. They just couldn't and do it. And by the way, still, if you told me, they're like, yeah, Wisconsin's going to rip off 10 straight wins. I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Oh, in the Big Ten? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I count out neither one of these teams for anything no. significant. All right. Let's stay with uh, the SEC here for a few more games, and then we'll rip yes. through a bunch of the other action. Uh, Texas A&M 52, South Carolina 28. This was the 6 o'clock Thursday game to get things started. And man, this one blitzed everybody. Kenny Hill, the new starting yeah. quarterback for A&M. 44 of 60 for 511 yards and three touchdowns. No interceptions, which was very important. Also, he broke Johnny Manziel's single game passing record in the first game of the season. So not bad. All in all, a really impressive showing for Texas A&M. 680 total offensive yards. And look, we got this one dead wrong. Yeah, we did. In our preview picks. But if there's one thing on which we can hang the hat, I think we got it right. I think we got it right. When we said that South Carolina's main weakness on defense was going to be the secondary. I feel like we did. Um, but no, we were the, the fact that the game was at South Carolina, the fact that South Carolina had seasoned lines or seasoned members of both lines, uh, talent at running back receiver in a hostile place, hosting a Texas A&M team with a history of a recent history of bad defense and now a new quarterback. We got it wrong. But here was what's right about this game. Kenny Hill. Going on the road, throwing for 500 yards. Granted, he wasn't throwing downfield like crazy, but why would he when his receivers were given so much space? And receivers, mind you, that are names that rhyme with Malcolm Kennedy, Ricky Seals-Jones, Speedy Noyle, Josh Reynolds, whatever. All sorts of talent. Another left tackle that's probably going to go in the first round in Cedric Ogbui. He had every opportunity. He was given the depth in front of him and around him. Kenny Hill was, and at the running back position. Although I would like to see Texas A&M run the ball a little bit more and just put teams away quicker um 
given every opportunity to su succeed and came through with flying colors. He's he's probably not going to win the Heisman as a he's a what a redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, whatever he is, um, or sophomore. But uh, a fantastic job. And if Texas A&M's defense can keep growing and making plays, I think the the big thing for Texas A&M's defense. Remember, I don't know, it was probably like three years ago now, where Oklahoma State's defense was decently good, but they would take chances and take the ball away constantly. That's what Texas Texas A&M needs to figure out a way to get their own defense off the field. And typically the way that that's done successfully is turnovers. So if Texas A&M can be just decent on defense, but turn, turn teams over a ton, that's a dangerous ass team in the SEC West. Another game from Thursday, Ole Miss 35, Boise State 13. Dan, for a good chunk of this one for... I don't know, a half and some change. It was exactly what I expected. Super sloppy, six first half interceptions. But things escalated quickly in the second half. That's when Dr. Bo got the scalpel going again, avenged those three interceptions, returned balance to the force, finishing with four touchdowns and close to 400 yards passing. Also, my boy, Laquanasaurus Treadwell, Seven for 105 and a score that basically broke the game open. So Boise was plucky in this one, but they just couldn't get anything going offensively. They couldn't do it then. Ole Miss eventually, once it found its way, they won this game going away by 22. As maddening as Dr. Bo was and as Boise State and their inability to put together multiple drives in a row that appeared to be successful. Love Jay Ajayi, both out of the backfield as a running back and as a receiver and completely head over heels at this point for Ole Miss's defense, especially given that Denzel Kamdiche didn't play. They were laying wood all over the field. The defensive line looked great. Sardarius, what's Darius Bryant, was kicked out early on in the game. But they, they have a defense right now that just in terms of speed, just in terms of open field ability, make them a threat in every single game they're going to play this season. I would like to see Dr. Bo throw the ball exclusively to Ole Miss players more. But other than that, I'd, I'd like to see Ole Miss run the ball a little bit better, have the offensive line get more of a push. But they did something excellently and as well as any team did in the country, and that's play high, high-level defense against a decently good team. And that makes them scary as hell. Excited to see what Ole Miss is able to do on defense the rest of the year. Two other SEC games we'll get through very quickly. Not going to spend a ton of time on them. But Auburn, Arkansas, this one was tied at half before Auburn ripped off 28 straight second half points for the Tigers. Defense needs to get better, but yeah. Auburn also showed it's got a capable backup, which we sort of knew going into this game with Jeremy Johnson, but was good to see him get some action and miss only one pass while he was playing the first half of this game in lieu of Nick Marshall. Can't be overstated having a very good backup. And then the other one. Hey, did you happen to see the score of Temple Vanderbilt? I did, and I didn't stay up to watch it. I was, it was one of those games where I was like, I'm going to look at what happened in the morning and watch some extended highlights and read about it tomorrow. And then was shocked. Temple 37, Vanderbilt 7, Dan the best way to take the shine off an exciting new coaching yeah. hire is to turn the ball over seven times and lose by 30 at home. 
Where we come from, Dan, that's called an old-fashioned boat racing. Yes. So, yeah, good one for Temple. Maybe the first time ever they've beaten an SEC team. Yeah, and still, I should say, as an Oregon fan who has not enjoyed Oregon's offense performance against Stanford these past couple seasons, (laughs) glad to see you gone, Derek Mason. Stick it out. Take your time. Do what you got to do. Yeah, Vanderbilt will probably get better. Made me think James Franklin was an even better coach than I already thought he was. People in Nashville were silently weeping watching this game. And also the one yesterday morning, which we'll talk about momentarily. Yeah. Penn State UCF. That was momentarily. Good for you for that correct and accurate tease. Penn State wins 26-24. Yes. Might have been the best game of the day at 8.30 in the morning. It was real nice. I actually watched the end of this on my phone, on the train as it was outside. It was, it was great. So a couple things here. Yeah. Christian Hackenberg, very clearly the focal point of the offense, very clearly the best player on the field. He threw for a school record 454 yards on 47 attempts. A little worried that he's the entire offense. Can I back up? Are you saying that Jay Paterno's spread HD never produced a 400-yard passing game? You know, you'd be surprised to hear that. What? Hey, the goal of the spread HD was 200 passing, 200 rushing yards a game. I'm serious. That was the goal. You think you've heard it all as a college football fan watching it for years and years. Then you hear the spread HD didn't produce a 400-yard passer. Who knew? Who knew? A little worried that Hack might be the entire offense but he really looked pretty great got a little nicked up the line did protect him pretty well penn state's defense looked really solid for most of the game Mm -hmm. ucf brought in justin holman in place of pete DeNovo. he changed the dynamic of the game dan and holman looked good obviously they're still trying to figure out what to do without blake bortles bortles it was a back and forth game ucf had the late lead sam ficken goes down there nails a field goal to win it yeah also, good to see some of the receivers getting in on the action. It's hard not to when the quarterback throws for 454 yards. We didn't know who those guys were going to be, though, without <laughs> Allen Robinson. That is that is also fair Sean Hamilton, yes. Geno Lewis. Those were the two guys as Penn State wins 26-24. For my money, there was no more impressive a Big Ten team than Michigan. I understand they played Appalachian State, and App State's not that great. I understand the game was only... 52 to 14. Trust me, it could have been worse. Michigan looked like a machine out there. Enough so that I think I'm picking them next week to beat Notre Dame, which we'll get into in just a little bit. Right. Um, yeah, there's not you, there's not a ton of absolutes to take away from this game. But if Michigan wants to be themselves a good team, which given their talent, they should be a good team. Maybe not a great team. They should be decently good. Decently good teams against not so good teams like Appalachian State now is. This is not the App State team of 2007. Michigan should run and pass all over this team. They pay a lot of money to very good assistants and recruit really good players to dominate. This is this is not an App State team that's North Dakota State. This is not one of those teams that's small but formidable and well-organized with a good high level of talent and, and good size. App State's not that good. Michigan is, and they proved that they should be considered to be a force at some point soon we don't know what they're able to do against a decent team we know what doug nussmeyer's ability is against a notre dame defense and that's something to consider uh very curious to see what devin gardner does against real competition Derek green that offensive line how they come through there's curiosities there's intrigue but uh you have to be just at the very least, satisfied with game one if you're, if you're a Wolverine fan. Look, Devin Gardner missed one throw 
and threw three touchdowns to Devin Funches, Derek Green had a monster game as well. 170 yards and a touchdown on just 15 carries. I'm afraid of Derek Green. This scares me. I've been waiting for Green to get going because he was a really big name coming out of high school, and we just haven't seen it yet. I was a little bummed that Michigan has a receiver named Freddie Canteen who did not end up in positive yardage. Freddie Canteen! He should be hosting a camping video. Camping safety with Freddie Canteen. I'd watch it. Michigan could have scored 80, 90. I like that killer instinct. Get your win, go home, move on next week to South Bend. So Michigan plays Notre Dame next week. Notre Dame won 48-17 over Rice. Took them a little bit to get going, Dan. A little shaky early on on offense. Some breakdowns defensively. I am a little worried that the entire offense is Everett Golson. Now, in his first game back, he had a really nice game. Two touchdowns through the air. Three more on the ground. No interceptions. Plenty of talent in the backfield behind him. Wide receiver, still a question mark without Tavares Daniels. Saw a lot of streaks yesterday, Dan. That'll work when you're up against a corner from Rice. Not sure how that goes over against Jabril Peppers. Would really like to see these guys against better competition to see how they stack up. Encouraging about Notre Dame is Everett Golson and Rusk did not show. Granted, he was just throwing against a grain. <laughs> Encouraged by the fact that they were able to spread the ball around nicely in the run game. Bryant and Folston, Cam McDaniel had carries, whatever. Uh, yeah, get the ball out of Everett Golson's hand as often as possible. I don't want him taking hits if I'm a Notre Dame fan. Uh, and also, they were they played disciplined defense. The defense will give you fits as a Notre Dame fan, but given the new, you know, Bob Diaco being gone, only a couple of penalties that the communication seemed to be in a good place. This was, again, Notre Dame is a top 20 team. There's little argument that they should be a top 20 or that they shouldn't be a top 20 team. Uh, they played like it. You should be satisfied. But there are those little wrinkles that are worrisome at this point still. The defense is going to give me fits, Dan. Going to be another one of those years. I think Michigan beats Notre Dame next week. I think Michigan wins because Notre Dame's never been able to stop Devin Gardner. Never been able to stop Denard Robinson. There are holes on this defense. There are holes in this defense, especially without Kavari Russell. Take the over, because this could be a shootout, but I think Michigan gets the better at Notre Dame next week. Uh-oh. Also, got a text from Mama H yesterday, mid-game, quote, who is this <laughs> defensive coordinator? He looks like a madman. That's a good thing. Yeah, I feel okay about that. What matters first and foremost is whether you can coach defense. Absolutely. Because I don't care if you look like Steve Urkel, if you can bottle up Devin Gardner next week, that's good enough for me. But the madman thing's a nice touch. Okay. I look forward to a season of you and Mama H slowly losing your minds once again. I do want to talk about the Pac-12. Do it. As you look at the results from this week, Dan, USC, Oregon, Stanford, Arizona, these teams looked legit, man. Incredible offensive showing. Cal looked good, too, to some degree. Mm hmm. A very uh, an understated, not understated, but an underreported on, perhaps, given the it was on the road against an OK Northwestern team, potentially. Northwestern looked in general unprepared to play college football. Not so good. Northwestern looked like a team that lost their two biggest offensive skill weapons in the past three weeks, which they did. But still, Cal looked better than last yeah. year. That was encouraging. Absolutely. Balanced. Goff looked good. Receivers looked good. Defense looked somewhat like a bcs level low level defense <laughs> which is an improvement oh, i appreciate that 
There's no fun in watching awful, injured, beat up, walk on defenses. That's not fun. There were some lowlights, though. Yep. For the Pac-12. And you tell me, because you mm-hmm. know the Pac-12 better than I. Mm-hmm. To what end should we freak out about UCLA? Um, we talked about UCLA. We, we talked about this with Ted Miller. He was a little bit more optimistic about the problems that I think both of us saw just in terms of offensive skill, offensive line. We keep hearing year in and year out that UCLA's offensive line is going to finally get better. And since that holiday bowl where they were injured and beat up in that season, they've been really underwhelming as a unit, the UCLA offensive line. And they went to Virginia. They were down their starting center an all conference type center, Jake Brendel, Brendel, whatever. Uh, but even still UCLA is at the point where they should have, talent everywhere and deep talent everywhere with how well they've recruited brett hunley did not look good the offensive line did not look good the receivers did not look good uh the coaching from you know the coordinators on noel mazone jim mora like they wasted timeouts they gave virginia opportunities virginia lost that game ucla did not win that game ucla had one offensive touchdown yeah do you freak out about this game I don't think you fully freak out. Virginia's a team that has talent in a lot of different places, experienced talent in a lot of places. They were sort of unlucky and beat up, lost close games, made bad decisions, whatever, last year. It was a disaster. But this, it's not like UCLA was doing this against Portland State, Oregon State. Um, <laughs> UCLA was doing this against a legitimately okay ceiling ACC team. And they looked flat. They looked unprepared. They looked uninspired. UCLA is fine. I, this is why all offseason long, I was like, they look like a top 12 to 15 team. They're not a playoff team. You look at this team, like, look at receivers that have gone to national championships and huge bowl games, and look at what UCLA has. Yeah. Devin Lucian and Jordan Payton are good enough to make Brett Hundley a Heisman winner. Absolutely not. UCLA is very good. They're not excellent yet. They looked pretty treacherous yesterday the other thing i'd add about hundley he double clutches a lot dan he he gets a little bit tight in these games yeah it's like he's pressing he's trying to win the game on his own but again i'm no mechanical expert when it comes i'm not george whitfield when it comes to breaking down quarterback play but it doesn't take rocket science to see that he double clutches and is a little indecisive on some of those throws i'm not positive that brett hundley has gotten better as the years progress at UCLA. That's fair. That's fair. And the other question mm-hmm. is still at, excellent. Still very, sure. very good. I don't know that you look at him year over year and you think, wow, he added this. Wow. He just looks so calm and poised out there. Wow. And part of that is due to offensive line receivers, but you don't look at it like, wow, Brett Hundley came in a boy and now he's a man. Don't think that I don't want to freak out and start playing the Mr. Softy music for UCLA quite yet. Right. I'm not going to do that yet, but they're on the Mr. Softy watch list. Yeah. If this continues, if this right, if this continues to happen, the softy music is getting played for UCLA. It's only fair. 28 to 20 was your final score. The only other quick bullet point on Virginia was that they brought Matt Johns in to Mm -hmm. play quarterback and he showed some promise for Virginia. Like you said, it seems as if Virginia lost the game more than UCLA won it. Yeah. And I think that's encouraging for Virginia fans who have just been tortured over the last couple seasons, they've finally got some talent in place, and I am interested to see what Mike London's able to do with it. Still very happy with UCLA's defense, though, for yeah. the most part, by the way, especially sure. the, the linebacking duo of Miles Jack and Eric Hendricks are as formidable a linebacking duo that exists out on the West Coast, if not further reach. In other Pac-12 action, Washington also going in the not-so-much category. Ooh. A one-point road win 
against Hawaii, our good friend Kevin McGuire from College Oof. Football Talk over on NBC Sports pointed out that it was no vacation for Chris Peterson. A one-point road win, 17-16, certainly not the kind of start Peterson was looking for. A win's a win. He didn't have Siler Miles. The team is going to improve, but still not the ceremonious open that one Chris Peterson may have hoped for. I'm going to list the positive things to take away from Washington, Hawaii on Washington's side. Okay. Because Hawaii was like a 98th ranked defense last year. Okay. Um, John Ross. Yep. That's all I got. Okay. That's that all is, you got. That is the beginning and end of things I am encouraged by, by Washington's offense. This concludes looked, our Washington offense. Things yeah. to be happy about segment. Yeah. Hawaii looked competitive. I mean, granted, we should point out Siler Miles is the presumed starting quarterback, and there were whispers that Jeff Lundquist or Lindquist would be moving to another position, which he probably would have succeeded at. <laughs> um, but Jeff Lindquist is not a starting quarterback for an upper level BCS conference team. And that's okay. Neither am I. Um, Siler Miles should give them a much more dynamic look, should make more plays, and this is what you sometimes you expect from a first game coach. You don't, ex I mean, start going to USC is the complete opposite of Chris Peterson going to Washington in terms of what they were able to do yesterday. Uh, I imagine Washington's going to gain more of a footing and more confidence and more of a rhythm on offense. But what they showed yesterday, their third downs were awful. Their running was pretty uneventful. The passing was almost nowhere to be seen. John Ross is really good and fast, and they have talented receivers that were also unable to consistently get open or unable to consistently catch balls or whatever the case. Uh, it was it was bad. All right. And while we're on the topic of Washington, we might as well just go ahead and talk a little bit about Washington State Rutgers. Yeah. Good old fashioned shootout <laughs> in Seattle. Connor yep. Halliday. 500. Uh-oh. 32 going. yards. Ooh. Five touchdowns. So surely they won. In a losing effort, Aww. Dan. Connor Halliday doing his best Nick Foles impression. Washington State loses 41 to 38. It's about as close to a home game as you're ever going to get. Rutgers goes on the road. Good for Rutgers getting a big win cross country. First game of the year. Paul right. James. 173 on the ground, three touchdowns. Gary Nova had himself a pretty nice game. Mm -hmm. Washington State, a robust six rushing yards, which isn't necessarily the bellwether for the offense. They no. got, you know, 532 through the air. That's more of their focus. Yeah. Still, now the question remains, is Rutgers any good, Dan? Um, Rutgers is okay. Rutgers is fine. I'm not going to be... An crazy enthusiastic about Rutgers when they will probably see run defenses that will do more than sort of aggressively slap at Paul James, which is what it seemed like Washington State's front was trying to do at times. Uh, Washington State's still a long ways to go defensively. We thought they would have closed more of a gap, I think, than they did. But again, first game, and here's here's the, the reality. Rutgers or Rutgers won 41-38. Washington State lost 41-38. Washington State's going to win these games 41-38. They're yeah. going to win shootouts. And they're going to lose shootouts. And we're probably going to enjoy watching the Cougs more often than not. 
Well, this was a, a fun game to watch, at least if you like offense. But but Rutgers traveling cross country in Washington State, not being able to close it out. That's disappointing. ACC football. Oh, did you want to talk about Oregon, South Dakota? Or are you just going to keep slapping me in the face? Oh, that's right. Oregon, South Dakota. What happened? Uh, not much. Oregon killed South Dakota. <laughs> and uh, one of the top two. You know Dakotas, what? Right. Still not crazy about Oregon's defense. No. New defensive coordinator, Don Pelham. Oregon did not swarm and swallow the running game like i would have thought it in a top top level uh national championship contender would have done to an fcs team a decently good fcs team but not completely shot out of a cannon about oregon's defense we'll we'll see very quickly whether or not we can use south dakota as a uh, a reference on a scale of one to ten yeah with 10 being all in and one yeah. being not in at all. Yeah. Where are you on that scale regarding Mark Helfrich? Uh, 7.4. Okay. I'm more in than I am not in. Um, if there's anybody that there's not a single person in college football that's better suited to run uh, that kind of offense than him. And by that kind, I mean an offense created with Chip Kelly. So... I'm more in the not. I think he's done interesting things as a recruiter. Uh, they just, honestly, they just, if they get better along the lines, if they get more consistent, they, they've recruited the offensive line relatively well. If they're able to, if, if they get good guard play, if they get good interior rushing this year, I'm thrilled with him. If they get decent defensive line play and are able to recruit in the next year or two along the defensive line better than they have these past few years, that's great. More in than not, but still not. I was a 13 with Chip Kelly. Yeah, so. no, that's fair. That's fair. I was hoping we could just skip on over them, but... Ah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Royce Freeman, me. by the way. Yeah. That's the name. Royce Freeman? New running back for Oregon. So good that he pushed another running back out. Like their last year starter, Byron Marshall, is now basically a slot back. He's basically taking the DeAnthony role, so he'll be like a slot receiver that gets, a, you know, gets carries here and there. But Royce Freeman, true freshman, large, fast, angry, desirable. <laughs> All right, let's move on now. Let's talk about the ACC, shall we? Do it. Pitt, Boston College, Virginia Tech, Duke, all look dominant in their wins. Yep. North Carolina looks dominant, but only in the last 25 minutes after they struggled with Liberty. No, not the statue talking about the football team. Uh, Georgia Tech pulls away late after struggling a bit with Wofford. Mm -hmm. NC State needs a late touchdown from Jacoby Brissett to beat mm. Georgia Southern by one. Yeah. Syracuse needs double OT to beat Villanova. I like the fake field book, but yeah. And then there's Wake Forest, Dan. Oh, uh, Wake Forest. Look, things are going to get worse before they get better, but I feel relatively confident that Wake Forest will stop losing to Sunbelt teams at a certain point. 17 to 10. Wake yeah. loses to ULM, the claw fence. They were going to be bad this year, no matter what. The claw fence revs up for 94 total yards, negative mm -hmm. three on the ground. So there's that. Any other ACC notes from you? We already talked about Florida State, already talked about Clemson. Yeah, we're recording this before Louisville, Miami. That's right. Um, and we will talk about that. And we're also recording this before Baylor SMU. We will speak to those things if there's anything particularly notable when we do our week two preview show. Um, no, not particular. Cur I'm, I've said curious a lot. I am... I am wondering to see what Boston College is able to do this season, but I like their their pretty dominant win. Um, 
And you're all in on UNC. Not a ton to take away from the game against Liberty other than the fact that they have a white Julius Peppers assistant coach. That's right. Um, and then if there's anybody that with Clemson looking as poorly at football as one could in the second half against Georgia, what they're going to look like against Florida State. And if any if anybody at all can even look as good as Oklahoma State against uh, against the Knolls. All right. And then let's finish things off by talking a little Big 12. Mm. Was impressed really by everyone outside Iowa State and Texas Tech. Iowa State, North Dakota State hung with them, hung with them for a half. So good for good for the clones. Um, North Dakota State's just a good team. Like, I don't care what level they're on. They're a good football team. Um, But I would say a decent showing. TCU looked solid. Oklahoma looked as well as they could have. Texas Tech was disappointing, but given their losses, and now that that Cliffy got paid. Cliffy got paid, yo. um, Texas, I was impressed by Texas. Defensively, particularly, it looks like they were swarming. They were angrier. They were stronger. They had much more of a cohesive game plan from play to play than they had in recent years. I think it's Vance Bedford is the new defensive coordinator. So at least something to watch. They get UCLA in a couple of weeks. That could be a giant tire fire of a game, or that could be interesting and intriguing for both conferences. So we'll see. But other than that, yeah, nothing, nothing too much to take. Big 12 team loses North Dakota state at home. That's what we've come to expect. It's an annual right of September, Dan. Yep. But otherwise, Oklahoma looks good. Texas rolled, as you said. K-State looked mm-hmm. really good. And uh, Kansas didn't play. So it was a great you weekend. Know, we for forgot to talk football. about USC Fresno. Okay. In the Pac-12. Go ahead. I just want to mention right now, I was really impressed by USC. Yeah. We, we both like making fun of USC, but credit where credit's due. Uh, they're a thin team. They're about 20 scholarships short of what they could have at, still at this point. New offense, new defense impressed as hell by Cody Kessler. He great. Juju Smith. Yep. True freshman was fantastic. Um, and had limitations in the secondary and it didn't really show. I, I was impressed by USC in all phases and another one of those teams. Like we're going to find out real quickly how good they actually are. They get Stanford this coming Saturday. They get Stanford this coming Saturday. And uh, oh, by the way, another team that Notre Dame plays that could very yes. easily beat Notre Dame. Yep. You know, you, you're going to have to outscore USC. Yeah, USC. And it's the last game of the year, too. They're going to be revved up. Yep. With plenty of time for that football game. So hope for that thin team to get thinner. That would be a, a good, like a respectful. From, from a fan's perspective, that's the hope. But yes, as someone who does this show. It's interesting when USC is really good. It makes things more exciting on the reverb line, let's say. People are yeah. always opinionated on USC for Hot better takes. or worse. They either love USC or they hate them. Yeah. Polarizing. And there's so much talent out there that you hate to see it go to waste. Um, that is unless USC is playing your team anyway. Right. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, okay. Things were great in the Pac-12. Things for the most part were great in the uh, Big 12. I didn't see mm-hmm. a Kansas score, which is probably for the best. That's for the best. All in all, I think that does it. For college football's week one day. It almost does, Ty. Oh, that's right. It almost does. Patriot League. Oh, Pat League. What do we got? We really wanted Georgetown to to bring the effort, to bring the noise. They did not. No. Wagner takes it in their game deep, deep into the the Russian province of, I don't know, wherever they played. Uh, I think you took Holy Cross and I took Albany. Yeah. Albany in a squeaker. The uh, 
the 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 dog clippers took it. Yep. Uh, we were both all in on Fordham once again. If you can set your watch to anything, it's the Fordham Rams, the actual team of New York. Uh, Bucknell in a shootout. I don't know if you have like a like a bayonet sound yeah. for, a, for a Patriot League shootout. Bucknell Here I have the, squeaks the by. Bruce Feldman body blow, like fists. Do it. You can go with that. Good. Okay. I like it. And uh, we were both in on Ball State, and they they make uh, easy work of Colgate. So um, a decent week. We have not seen Lehigh and Lafayette yet. No. Um, I'm checking right now to see if they'll be playing next week. Yes. Both of those teams will be playing next week. Will I tell you who they're playing right now, Ty? No. no. You're going to have to tune in for the preview show on Wednesday. That's the way this works here on the Solid Verbal. So thanks for listening, boys and girls. It's solidverbal at gmail.com. There are still games to be played. We're recording this on a Sunday. Miami has to play Louisville. Baylor has to play SMU. If you see something that you want to talk to us about, it's 408-VERBAL-1. 408-VERBAL-1. It's free. Call in. Mm. Leave us a voice message. We'll do our best to get through those when we put together our next set of reverbs next week. And in the meantime, please do follow us on Facebook, on FanCred, and of course, on the Twitter. If you like what we're doing, head on out to iTunes. Let us know what you think in the reviews, Dan. That's all I got for college football's week one. It is great to finally have college football back to not have to worry about doing trivia or life advice yeah. or anything in between. I love the life advice. I love it trivia, too, but, but I yes. like football more. It's well, okay, that's fair. For that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein, for myself, Ty here in good old Allentown. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you all on Wednesday. In the meantime, stay solid. Peace. Peace.